From American Falls to Malad, we've got the biggest stories in District 5 covered. This is the Southeast Idaho PrepCast with Jordan K. That's right. It's another edition of the Southeast Idaho PrepCast here on IdahoSports.com. I'm Brandon Bainey and joined as always from the Idaho State Journal in Pocatello, Jordan K. Jordan, what's going on? Not much. Just hanging in there. How about you? Yeah, about the same. Hey, you had you had your first uh, ISU football game of the season on Saturday. What was that like? It was uh, it was interesting. I mean, there was it wasn't a great crowd. Four thousand people. Four thousand people. Um, they didn't look great, you know. But there's still plenty of time in the season, so we'll see. I don't know, but though, the Big Sky looked pretty good all around. So you know, that's a good conference. Maybe they can get buoyed up by you know everyone else's great performances. So we'll see, you know, a lot of weeks left. Yeah. It was an awesome week for the big sky conference as a Missoula, Montana native. Uh, uh, Got to mention those Montana Grizzlies, right? Knocking off big. Washington. That was big. How are they ranked 20th in the country? That, yeah. When I saw that win, I was like, wait, Washington was 20th. Like, no way. Like they were, they weren't very good last year. I didn't understand that, but Hey, you know, so you're still beating a ranked FBS team. So, you know, you can throw the the parade and all that. Yeah. And East, Eastern Washington got a win over an FBS school. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what the other one was. There was three big sky teams that won oh, over yeah. FBS teams. Montana State almost beat Wyoming. And Weber State actually hung tough with Utah yeah. as well. So, no, I, I thought, yeah, Utah didn't look very good. But, you know, Weber's a good team, though. So that's a that's a hard one to gauge. Yeah, for sure. And that's the kind of analysis you're going to get every week here on the Big Sky Conference football prep cast. No, I'm just kidding. It's the District 5 prep cast here at IdahoSports.com. Um, we, we do always like to start with uh, what's going on with Jordan at the yeah, Idaho State Journal, though. And, th- and that was the big story, I think, last week for you was the ISU's first football game of yeah. 2021. So It was actually the first time I'd seen, yeah, like an ISU game in a whole ever, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, we we talked about how it, you had your first high school game inside Holt Arena uh, yeah. back when Highland played Rocky Mountain in Week Zero, and you said that kind of felt odd. Um, just too because, big, like it, there's not yeah. enough people to fill it, so it just feels empty and dead. And I don't I don't know I I just would rather have uh you know someone fill a thousand seat stadium than have fifteen hundred people jammed in a thirteen thousand seat stadium. But that's just me. I I don't know. Yeah, did it feel any different for ISU with more fans in there, or still kind of cavernous and felt depressing? Yeah, <laughs> we'll get. I mean, we'll get there. I mean, there, you got to start somewhere, right? And that's, that's true. That's true. Started at the bottom. Now we here. <laughs> Easy dream. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to be talking about Holt Arena plenty because there's going to yes. be a couple of games uh, in Holt Arena this week but uh let's recap the week that was in high school football in district five jordan you were at the west side snake river game on friday night west side you know i was actually surprised you know snake river was coming off that big win over kimberly west side was in a dogfight with firth and i thought the game would be close but pirates end up shutting out the panthers 27 nothing yeah i think the one thing that we learned from that is uh i was talking to a lot of the west side coaches firth is really good the West Side coaches were like, this is not the same Firth team that we played in the state championship game. They were incredible. They were so physical on the lines. Like, they're going to be really tough to beat. And the other thing, like, Kimberly dropped to 0-2. So, you know, as much as that Snake River win looked really good week one, you know, I, it's tough to 
to, to say if it's really as impressive now. But, you know, I think Snake River just – they just had sh- trouble um, executing on offense. West Side is just so long, so physical up front. And then Bryler Shirtliff, who's, you know, the renaissance man of the Pirates, is unreal. The dude was one of the – I think he had to have been the only person in the state to be a first-team all-state selection at three positions. He wanted it receiver, defensive back, and kicker. Against uh, Snake River on Friday, he had two interceptions that, you know, it's tough to tell exactly, you know, how impressive they were because Snake River had to throw the ball a ton. But, you know, he was coming out of nowhere on some of them and had a ton of space to make catches. Then I think he only had three catches as a receiver. One of them, though, was a 30-yard touchdown in which he did a double move, like catches the ball one-handed with a guy pulling on his shoulder. I mean, everyone in the stadium seemed to think that it was incomplete. They were just yelling for the pass interference call. Ends up being an incredible touchdown. And so he was fantastic. And then it's just so fun to watch the West Side, you know, running backs go at it. You know, it's always led by Cage Brokens. But, you know, you got quarterback Blaze Brown and a couple other guys just really hitting the holes hard. And so they're they're just a tough team to to beat. And I think it's uh, – I, I think you have to say that they're the favorites still to go into a – but, you know, I think after talking with them – the rematch against Firth possibly in the, the playoffs or the championship or whatever, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that's why I love the West Side offense so much <clears throat> is because it is that wing T system where they run the ball a ton, right? But yeah. when they do go back to pass, it's almost like the defense is lulled to sleep. Well, they're not going to throw the ball, but when they do, oh, they've got such a tremendous playmaker out there in Bryler Sherliff. I think that actually helps Bryler a little bit oh. as well. The defenses maybe aren't quite ready for it when they do decide to go up top to him yeah and they right now don't need to get him the ball 10 times a game but I think later on they know if close games come or if they're in the playoffs or whatever they always have the option of if hey the rushing attack's not working we can always throw a screen pass we can always throw a short slant to Bryler and he can make things happen which makes their offense just so much more dynamic yeah, you had an excellent write-up about that West Side uh, Snake River game at the okay. Idaho State Journal. Uh, obviously, the hard copy in the paper, but also online yeah. at IdahoStateJournal.com. Uh, I think the thing I was most surprised to learn from reading your recap was, you know, uh, West Side's already played a couple of games this year, and I just look at the box score real quick, and I see, yeah. you know, like uh, Cage Broken's 22-yard touchdown run, shirtlift kick. And I was like, oh, yeah, Bryler shirtlift. He was an All-State kicker last year, yeah. kicked all their PATs. Well, then I find out from from uh, looking at your more detailed box score, it's Easton shirtlift that's kicking brother. the PATs. Or, I don't know if it's his brother, actually. I never asked. I oh, just, yeah, you got to ask because it could be cousins. It could be his brother or cousin. Yeah, that's the, I always got to figure that out. You'll get it messed <laughs> up whenever you do. But, yeah, it was another shirtlift who was, you know, looked fine from uh, – from you know kicking the ball so yeah they've got plenty of weapons kicking which isn't always uh the case in 2a yeah that's uh so so it's nice that Bryler can have something off of his plate yeah uh, so he can focus on offense and defense so yeah it was pretty exciting uh i think the other eye-opening it was a it was a nice night for pocatello all three schools got wins and i guess maybe let's start with century because they got their first win of the season yeah and this was after a two-week layoff after uh, their week one opponent ridgeview had to cancel because of covid19 stuff so yeah uh century you wondered if they'd be a little rusty but uh, all the scoring was in the first half and they got a safety late in that first half and and that stood up as they beat Bonneville 15 to 13. 
Yeah, no, that was one of the, I think, the quickest games of the week. It was over like 9 o'clock or way before then. Yeah, I, what's interesting about Century is last year they were really predicated on their defense. It was, you know, you had guys on the back end like, you know, Jonas Soul and Miles Gifford and, you know, in the middle, just plenty of linebackers and defensive linemen that were just monsters. They lost so many guys last year that you kind of went into 2021 wondering how they were going to replace them. The offense, they lost a ton of receivers, lost some running backs, but, you know, you still got Bruin Fleischman. You still got McKean Rombriel at quarterback. That didn't seem like as big of a drop-off. But the defense carried them in the win over Bonneville. You know, get Logan Horrocks, the new head coach, his first win. And the interesting thing that stuck out to me is, you know, you got Bruin Fleischman, who's committed to Air Force as a receiver. This big, you know, what is he, six foot three, six four, two hundred and twenty pounds, big target that can go up and probably has a mismatch against any cornerback in the state. And he is a standout at linebacker this week. He's got half dozen tackles, a sack. Forced fumble, an interception, and then he scoops up a block punt and takes it into the end zone. I mean, when you can have a dude who contributes that much on both sides of the ball, and then, hey, you know, the offense isn't getting a whole lot done. They only had one offensive touchdown. It was to a sophomore uh, receiver, Jake Rawlings. And when you can have a guy who, like Bruin, who contributes so much and is so versatile on defense – I mean, that's that's one of the coolest ways to win a game is doing it kind of how people expected you to lose games. And I think that says a lot about Bruin and also the up the upbringing he had from his from his parents. Um, I know that's a story that the ISJ has done in depth uh, in the past when he and Titan were both at Century. They'll they'll do whatever it takes to help the team win. Right. Titan uh, was a tight end his senior year, moved to left tackle because that's what he was going to play in college, but also because that's what the team needed. Bruin could easily say, you know what? I'm going to be a tight end in college. I only want to play tight end and and enough of this defense stuff. But Coach Horrock said, hey, look, we we really need you on defense. And and he was totally okay with that. And that's they're such great kids and that they're great people and that's that's all because of the upbringing that they have there so uh one last thing about century real quick is i think we talked about the low numbers and and most nights they are the undermanned team in terms of depth and in terms of varsity playmakers in terms of new players um but i think we are discovering that logan horrocks is is a pretty good coach because they almost beat minico they did beat bonneville and that's despite being uh shorthanded so to speak in both of those games so you do not have to question century's effort level on a night-to-night basis and i think for a lot of teams across the state you know coming off a a covid year coming off an off season where things are you know a little bit you know tricky not exactly back to normal that's a big question mark and with century it's like you know they're gonna have low numbers there might be the underdog most nights but man like (laughs) they're gonna they're gonna work and that's all as a first year head coach for you know logan that's a credit to him and really cool to see how many kids have bought in that program yeah they're gonna be a lot of fun to watch as the season goes along pocatello traveled over to twin falls to play a bruins team that i think is actually pretty decent and uh pokey actually had less total yardage than twin falls twin falls outgained pokey yeah. uh in total yardage but pocatello cashed in on four takeaways and ended up winning a tight contest by seven um the final score 21 to 14 yeah you can pocatello has played two games and they showed they can win 
in two different ways. First game, just a complete blowout. Offense looked unreal. Defense looked unreal. Second game, a little more adversity. Your defense is kind of in a bend-don't-break mode where they're allowing some yards, but then all of a sudden they recover. They get turnovers. They make sure the offense has the ball. They make sure they're put in a position to win. First game also, you've got Riken Echohawk, who's running for 130 yards in the first half. All of a sudden, you know, once that performance happened, I was pretty sure every coach in the state is going to look at that, going to see the box score and be like, oh, well, we might need to load the box. We might need to do that. So what does Pocatello do? All of a sudden, they let it air out. You know, Matt Christensen, a wide receiver, had, you know, caught eight passes, 90 yards, touchdown. Then you've got on defense, you know, Hunter Killian has 13 tackles. He plays tight end. He gets a couple catches. He makes some nice blocks. And Pocatello, you know, early on is showing they have the ability to, you know, win close games, win blowouts, have different ways of, you know, getting a victory. And that's an important thing to see early on. Yeah, I love the versatility from Pocatello. And they're finally getting some respect in those polls. They're up to number yeah. three in the media poll. I know you've had them up there all season, Jordan. I've been yeah, a little slower to put them up there. I don't remember where I put them this week. It was either third or fourth. I'm not yeah. sure. But, yeah, it's. I think once you go win – win games in different parts of the states all of a sudden you know other people start taking notice and you know voting them higher up yeah for sure and then uh, you've got the highland rams who you know that loss against rocky mountain seems so long ago especially after they go down to logan and take care of a pretty decent team from utah 47 to 13 this is the highland rams we're used to seeing jordan yeah because first two games they won because of their defense. You had Sloan Lamson and Cody Colvin on the defensive line who were just absolute animals. They were harassing the quarterback. They made sure that, you know, no one was really having more than a second to throw. And this game, when offense was the question the first two weeks of the season, all of a sudden they're showing like, hey, you know, we've got playmakers. We have the ability to be explosive. You've got uh, Eli Parrish, just this, you know, very versatile running back, almost the complete opposite of what Caleb Demuzio brought them the last couple of years. He has a 216-yard rushing, another 20 through through the air, three total touchdowns, and one, I mean, his biggest, I think it was like an 80-yard touchdown. It was on a screen pass. I mean, it was backwards, so technically it's going to count as a run, but, I mean, that's just showing that their offense has multiple ways to get people the ball, multiple ways to score. Then the cool thing I thought, too, is, you know, you've got Ian Hershey, who was, you know, all-area kicker last year. He goes four for four, hits field goals from 49, 43, 43, 25, you know, hits all five vector points, goes nine to 10 on touchbacks. And he's getting looks that are just kind of crazy for kickers around here. I know he went on a visit to Cal, went on a visit to Oregon State. We'll see if any of those Pac-12 offers come through. Right now, he's got one from Idaho State. But, you know, you look at kids around the area who have offers, you know, it goes Bruin, who's got, you know, committed to Air Force. And then probably right behind him, it's like Ian Hershey. And so that's kind of a cool development is seeing, you know, how uh, how good he's been and, you know, maybe where this season can elevate to him to, you know, recruiting wise. Yeah. And uh, I felt really bad about uh, we did our preseason top 10 lists uh, at IdahoSports.com, right? Top 10 offensive linemen to keep it yeah. on the state, top 10 defensive linemen. Yeah. And, and I, I got an email uh, from, from coach Hershey at, at Highland yeah. saying, Hey, are you going to do one for special teams? I didn't see special teams on your list. And I told him, I said, look, honestly, 
there's not 10 kickers I that I can identify. I, I said I, it's not it's not to disrespect the other kicker, but like Ian Hershey is so far and away yeah. the best kicker in the state. And I could, you know, maybe Bryler Shirtliff and Lance Hanna from Nampa and but these guys like, no other team is kicking anything above like 35. Rarely. Yeah. I mean, rarely. Or if they are, it's right at the end of the half. They're like, ah, if it goes in, it goes in. Don't really. They're not expecting it. Like, yo, Highland gets past, you know, the 30, 35, and they're like, well, we got three points. Or, or at least, you know, we're fine taking the field goal. And that's such a huge advantage. That's going to be a lethal weapon in the playoffs for Highland. And, and yeah. Ian Hershey's name is already all over the record book. And I, I think there's maybe one or two records that are still – he had his name isn't on and they'll be broken by the time the season's over. That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, Preston, man, what about this Preston team? I'll tell you, they're two and one Jordan. Both of their wins have come by two points total. They had that seven to six win over Lakeland way back in week zero. And then they defeat star Valley with, uh, yeah. from Afton, Wyoming last Friday, 28 to 27, basically a blocked PAT. Yeah. Earlier in the game was the difference. Uh, Coach Thorson sent me over the stats from that game. And yeah. when you look at it on the surface, you know, Preston didn't play bad. Brecker no. Knapp was 16 of 26 for 210 yards, a touchdown and a pick. They ran the ball really well. Charles Iverson averaged 6.3 yards a carry. He had 16 carries for 101 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Emery Thorson had 12 carries, 57 yards. So I just, I'm having a hard time figuring out this Preston team. They look good on the surface and they are two and one, but it's been two really tight wins. Two tight wins against like teams that we aren't, you know, we don't really know a whole lot about like, you know, the Lakeland team and then this, you know, star Valley team from Wyoming. It's, you know, it's tough to gauge exactly where they're at, but the interesting thing about Preston is going into you know, this season, everyone seemed like they had this four a district five peg. It was like Pocatello. They're on the rise. They're going to be first century. You know, they lost a lot of guys. They're on the decline. They're going to be third. And then it was just people like almost by default had to pit Preston at number two. And right now the Indians are showing, hey, like when games get tight, we're able to pull these out. And that's going to be just such a crucial thing when you start getting to district play. With a three-team conference, it's not like you've got to really create a whole lot of miracles. You're playing two games. You win one of them. All of a sudden, you know, you're right in the mix. You win two of them. You've got the district on lock. And so I think getting these early wins, these early tight victories, you know, who knows what that does for Preston's confidence going into district play. And all of a sudden, I think you have to start looking at the Indians. It's like, okay, you know, this game against Pocatello, I mean, that might decide the, the conference and maybe Preston's got a really good shot to, to win it. Yeah, I, I think Preston's going to be right there. They were the first team out of the playoffs last yeah. year in the 4A ranks because of the max prepped ratings, and it's, it's because of the three-team district. The Great Basin Conference automatically got three teams in because they're a seven-team league, and Preston had a better max preps rating than both Minico and Twin Falls last year, and in fact, Shelley did as well. So if it was truly the 16 best teams, Shelley and Preston would have been in the playoffs last yeah. year, but unfortunately it's the way it goes with the three team district. And well, yeah, what, what hurt them too, is they, uh, the, the game they played against century. I mean, just everything that could go wrong went wrong for them. I mean, it was like a 40 point blowout. There was just pick six after pick six, you know, 80 yard touchdowns by century. And it was just like, you know, not exactly the way that you want to end a season. And so that, that kind of, I guess hurt, you know, my impression of them and, you know, other people around the area of like, you know, who is this Preston team? And early on, they're showing that that might have been an anomaly. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, the, the remaining games I want to uh, kind of highlight, yeah. I would say. are Well, and let's talk about Marsh Valley real quick. I feel like we haven't talked about them too much yeah. yet this year. They shot out Teton 36 to nothing, and yeah. they're one and one now, and they, they look strong. I mean, with, with Snake River not following up that big win the way I thought they would and Marsh Valley looking strong, I think we're back to a coin flip in that district. A hundred percent. And this week, Marsh Valley has you know one of the toughest tests on their schedule. I know they're a team that plays three state champions remaining. They already you know against Beaver from Utah, who is the two A state champion over there. They looked fantastic. I mean, they they went for a two point conversion late in the game that could have won it, didn't get it. But you know that's how close that game was. River Salem they play a little later in the year. They haven't looked very good this season. And now you got Westside, who's looked fantastic, but. All of a sudden, this is going to be the biggest litmus test for this Mark Valley team. What's been so interesting about the Eagles for me is, you know, when we talked to, you know, Coach Armstrong early in the year, his philosophy on, you know, offense is, you know, we're, we're just going to be smash mouth football team. You know, we think that this is a pretty easy game. It's, you know, move your defender from point A to point B, move them backwards. We're going to run the ball and we're going to be a, you know, hard-nosed physical team. And early on, like what's been so fun to watch is how big of an impact Peyton Howe has had in the the passing game. The first game against Beaver, I mean, he is really the reason they they got in that game. You know, quarterback Hunter Roche late in the game is like 30 seconds left, throws the ball over the middle. He catches in double coverage, shoots out 700 guys, sprints to the end zone, gives him a chance. On Friday, he's got, I mean – He had a pick six on defense, a 75-yard punt return for a touchdown. He scores a receiving touchdown. And then on his only rush of the game, scores from 54 yards out. I mean, like when you talk about versatility, he he tried to find like every way you can want to score. And that he's I know you I've seen how good of an athlete he is watching him in basketball, watching him in baseball. I had not seen him play football, and wow, he is making an impact. I know he's got some offers from some schools and Man, with the way he's playing, the highlights he's racking up, that's only going to you know boost up in the next couple of weeks. It's a special group of athletes at Marsh Valley, right? They've won a state baseball title. They've won a state basketball title. Yeah. Football is the only thing left they got to check off that <laughs> list. <so. laughs> yeah, for it'll, real. It'll be, be fun to watch them. Okay, uh, last uh, couple teams I want to talk about here. There were three teams that came up short, but I thought yes. actually had a lot to be encouraged by in the losses you had bear lake travel to play jackson hole and they lost 20 to 8 now for comparison bear lake is a 2a program jackson hole would be like a 4a program in idaho in fact pocatello is going to play jackson hole and so that so so like for for bear lake to punch two levels above and only lose 20 to 8 i thought was actually really encouraging no that that i think they've looked really good this season especially you know you lose owen tusher who's just gunslinging quarterback and you're not exactly sure what Bear Lake's going to look like all of a sudden they come out early on and have looked extremely impressive so you know you want to say that the 2A race was between you know Aber- Aberdeen and Westside and it's like oh well Bear-, Bear Lake might give both of them a run for their money when they play yeah speaking of Aberdeen they traveled to play Declo which was a 2A semifinalist from a year ago yeah. and fell 37 to 20 but I thought for Aberdeen they had a lot to be encouraged by because Declo pretty routinely puts up 35 to 40 points and they, they hung tough for a little bit in that matchup. Yeah. The only thing was, you know, their offense did not look like it did against American falls, you know, Kale Adamson, who 
looked like just a, a monster against that that Beavers defense. Didn't have his best night. You know, Brody Beck was fantastic again from under center. But, you know, that two-headed monster, I think they can get back on track, though, this week. Yeah, Declo a little more disciplined uh, and and a yes. little more veteran savvy than that really young American Falls team. And then I thought I thought North Gem, you know, they're playing the uh, the one A D two juggernaut carry. And if yeah. you just look at the final score, fifty four thirty four, you'd say, well, they lost by twenty. But not a lot of teams put up thirty plus points on carry. That just that just doesn't happen a lot. And so, uh, and especially when we looked at the stats, Jordan, I think North Gem really had a lot to be pleased by. Yeah, because I think they got moved down in the rankings or less people voted. I was like, they're not supposed to beat this team. Like, this is the best team in the state. For them to hang that tough, I thought was impressive. The, you know, behind us, center, like Ransom Cooper, they, they rush for over 500 yards. Bridger Hatch, who's, you know, one of the most fun guys to watch, had over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. I mean, they look good. If one thing, it's just going to come down to their defense. They don't have Logan Quarter at linebacker. He was an all state guy. And so now it's, you know, how, how many points can their offense score? And some nights it's going to be need to be about 40 plus. Yeah. And, and I think the other big key for North gem is going to be trying to find at least a little bit of balance. You know, they only threw one pass in the game. They were all for one passing, you know, you have to, it's almost like a West side, right? You, you don't have to throw it 20 times. You, you can yeah. throw it six to seven times, but you got to make it count to keep the defense honest. Otherwise yeah. they're just going to key on that rush game. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And then the final uh, teams I wanted to highlight Malad had a nice shutout victory 30 to nothing over Ryrie's a program that's struggling yes. uh, to put it, to put it nicely. Um, but Malad one and one first yeah. win for head new head coach, Lucas Thorne. So congrats yeah. there. And then, Hey, let's give the Rockland Bulldogs some love, Jordan. I'll, I'll admit uh, Rockland wasn't super high on my radar coming into the season because I was more focused on North gem and water Springs and Rockland is two and oh, they're fifth in the media poll this week. How about the Bulldogs? Yeah, no, that was uh wait, are they fifth? I didn't think they made it. Uh, either maybe it was the coaches poll. I just put up the coaches poll yeah. today as well. Yeah. That, Let me double check. Yeah. Um, no, their uh, their offense is fantastic. I remember what they have. They're watching their basketball team. You knew they had athletes like Teague Matthews had like over 150 yards receiving, a couple touchdowns. Gavin Perman, you know, for a one AD two school, most of these teams just rush the ball like crazy. Not Rockland. I mean, Gavin Perman, their quarterback, had 331 yards passing, 62 percent completion, five touchdowns, and then you've got a defense you know, who is getting contributions from all over the place. They've got a sophomore linebacker, Cody Woodworth, who had 18 tackles, four sacks, and snatched an interception. And so they're showing that they have so many different ways to beat you. Yeah, Rockland, fifth in the media poll, Jordan. They were really 2-0. and Yeah, they they had a big win over Hanson, 54-22. to And they got some young guys too. Rockland might be good for a couple of years here. So yeah, no, there's not many, you know, when you look at their playmakers every week, it's a lot of like sophomores and juniors. So that's such a good thing going forward. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's quickly uh, kind of preview what's coming up here this week slash weekend. Well, you know, you've got uh, Thursday night football uh, starting off the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who cares about that? We've got yeah. Thursday night football here in district five, Jordan. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, this is going to be, you know, one of those things when I got to Pocatello a year ago, everyone was talking about these, you know, doubleheader matchups at Holt Arena. And I was like, what? Very, I was like, I don't know what that is because 
I got here, COVID, they're playing at Iron Horse, playing at Century, whatever. And so, yeah, I think it's, I got to, let me check who is going first for this. It's going to be Jackson Hole at Pocatello at 6 p.m. Then afterwards, I think the kick's set for like 8.30. Century at Highland, which, you know, I think everyone expects Highland to win. I think they've won for the last, you know, dozen or so years. But that's going to be a fun one. Like, you know, this Century team that plays really hard against Hall of Highland's athletes, that's going to be cool. And then, you know, this Jackson Hole team, like you were talking about, is basically has 4A numbers in Idaho. Can Pocatello you know, continue their hot streak and, you know, beat them. So yeah, that'll be a fun double header to start the week off. And tell me how we got to playing the games on Thursday. Cause as I'm looking at our site, idahosports.com, I've got them both on Friday and I need to change that. But this, this, yeah. this was all kind of a fluid situation. Yeah. What was it? It was like, I think they were both scheduled to play on Friday, but iron horse, the construction with the press box wasn't ready. And so they were going to move it to, Saturday or and then to play at Holt Arena there was already games scheduled I know Bear Lake plays first and then I think there's an Idaho Falls team that plays after that they were thinking about moving it to Saturday there was you know some scheduling conflict with Idaho State and so they're like when can we get Holt Arena all of a sudden Thursday popped up and they moved it to there and so yeah probably not ideal for kids that uh you know playing in that 8 30 game you're gonna get home at what 11 11 30 you know i don't know if you can go to bed that quickly you're gonna have to eat dinner you're going to bed after midnight all of a sudden gotta wake up you know if i'm highland and century i'm probably expecting a lot of uh first period absences on that friday but we'll see so yeah that'll be not exactly the ideal way that you want to you know end up playing these games in a roundabout type of scheduling matter but hey we got a, a whole arena doubleheader in week three yeah, and, and you talked about the doubleheader in Holt Arena on Friday as well. Yeah. Um, that second game is going to feature Rigby against Skyline, two teams yeah. that, you know, I sat there last week because we did the Rigby game on, on IdahoSports.com, and I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, why would two teams that are 20 minutes from each other go all the way down to Holt Arena to play when they could just meet somewhere closer? And as I thought about it, those are two teams that think they're going to be 5A, 4A state champions, right? And they, yeah. they want to get a feel for what it's like to be inside Holt Arena, knowing that they're probably going to be there in the playoffs at some point. I think that's probably why they did it. So, yeah, that, I mean, I, that, that makes sense, I guess. Um, I'll also, you know, you would think that they've got a lot of fans traveling. This is a really, really big game between, you know, teams that think they're going to be the state champions and like, why not try and put it in a, a big atmosphere, go to a neutral site, try and make it as you know hyped up as possible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we talked about Marsh Valley, uh, the contest with West side, that's yeah. going to be, they're hosting West side, uh, in Aramo. So that's going to be good. Uh, that's probably going to be the best matchup. I think regardless Malad, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, coming off that big win They're They're going to travel to North Fremont. They're, you know, North Fremont's two and O and they were a final four team in the two, a ranks last yeah. year, but I don't, I don't think they've looked that good personally out of the gate. And I think Malad's got a good chance. No. Yeah. Cause I, I think I put them in the rankings, but you're looking at their wins and they're very close. And so, you know, you see it and you're like, Oh, this might be a beatable team. And we'll see if Malad can, you know, pull it off after, you know, momentum from, you know, a big shutout win. Yeah. I think, uh, Aberdeen's going to be hosting South Fremont. That's a, uh, 
3A Final Four team from a year ago. That's going to be yep. good. Bear Lake uh, playing Firth and Holt Arena, like we said. Yep. Uh, Snake River at Blackfoot. Blackfoot is 0-2, but both of their losses have come by one point to 5A teams. So yeah. that might be a, a, a good opportunity for the Broncos to get their first win of the year. And then the other game I'm really excited about is actually a 1A game, Jordan, and it's going to be Butte County at Rockland. Butte County is 2-0. Rockland is 2-0. They both were ranked fifth in this week's uh, polls, respectively, for the 1A D1, 1A D2. And uh, this could be a signature win for Rockland if they could find a way to break through. Yeah, I was looking at Butte County, and I was like debating where to put them because it was so hard. I wasn't exactly sure on their competition, but they're just blowing teams out. Like, I don't know what their margin of victory is, but I think they've scored like over 50 points in both their wins. And so you look at that offense, I'm like, wow. I mean, this Butte County team, it looks just incredible so far, but I don't have a huge great gauge on who the heck they're playing. Right. Well, we'll, we'll find out. We, we yeah, know Rockland's pretty well. good. So we're going to, we're going to find out real quick this week. Uh, other sports that are going on, you know, it's not just football that we talk about here. The Peg Peterson volleyball tournament took place over the weekend at Highland, over 30 teams were there competing. You had a nice yeah. recap of that on Sunday in the paper from Saturday's action. Did anything really stand out to you there as you were getting the, the results of how our local volleyball teams did? Um, Highland, I think, you know, because there was a couple different brackets for that uh, Peg Peterson. And so Highland ended up in the gold bracket, which I think is the, you know, biggest it's for the best teams. And so Sugar Salem won that, but, you know, Highland was really close. But the interesting thing for, you know, Highland is like they had a, I think their setter, Drew Simmons, was the Max Preps player of the week last week or the week before, which is a national award. And so, you know, for someone locally to get that, I, I thought that was just incredible. And so Highland, you know, after losing McKenna Thane last year, who was our all-area volleyball player of the year, it, it looks like that they've just returned a ton of talent. They've got playmakers. And so they're going to be in the 5A picture, you know, might be able to make the playoffs and make that jump. And so that's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, other than that, it was tough to, to tell. American Falls has had a, a good run. They lost a couple of games early in that Peg Peterson, you know, bounced back. I think they made, you know, either I think they made the, the championship game and, you know, fell in one of the, the silver or the bronze or, or one of those brackets. And so, you know, the Beavers after losing, you know, Emma Barclay, who is another one, she was right in the conversation for that all area player of the year. You know, the Beavers look good again, too. Yeah, Drew Simmons was the uh, the Max Preps and AVCA, the American Volleyball Coaches Association yeah. player, National Player of the Week. Yeah, and it's like and, an Idaho thing. Like it's a right. US thing. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, they, they do pool play. There was like eight different pools, and then the winners of each pool uh, played in the gold bracket, and then there was the silver bracket and the bronze bracket. So, yeah, Highland looks really good in volleyball. Last night they uh, played – Bonneville and Hillcrest in one of those try matches and they won both of those at uh, Bonneville's a really, really good volleyball team. And then went five, five games, but they won three to two. So yeah, I totally agree that the Highland volleyball team is looking really strong. And then you had a nice feature uh, earlier this week in the Idaho state journal about uh, the local swim teams. In yeah. As yeah. Well. No, that's a, I, uh, I didn't know a whole lot about swimming because last year it was just so weird. I mean, swimming was already this, you know, kind of niche sport in terms of high school circles. It's only been a sanctioned event for four years, five years now. And so last year they did all their state championships virtually 
which is insane. And so they did their district meet and state meet as the same thing. They're not even racing anyone. They're just doing time trials. And they went up to Idaho Falls. And I know a lot of the coaches around there were, you know, not very thrilled because in swimming, if you're going to do something like a time trial, you've got to make these things even on all accounts. Well, the elevation in Idaho Falls is higher than it is in other parts of the state. And they didn't give, you know, a... uh, they didn't level that out or, you know, adjust times or anything. So I know not a lot of local coaches were very impressed with, you know, anyone that was even getting in the top 12 of state being like, you know, you guys were on some accounts, you know, at a disadvantage. And so Century has a really good team this season. They return a, a lot of people. You look at a, that boys team and they had a relay that placed third. And I think the 200 and 400 freestyle and they returned three of those people. And uh, Highlands also has a, a pretty good team, has a uh, Aaliyah Jordan, who's made state the last three years in the 50 free. And then Pocatello is kind of just an up and coming program, like a lot of their sports with, that has been very um, beneficial. The boundaries have been very beneficial for them. They were up to uh, 26 swimmers, I think from like 12 last year. So, yeah, you know, swimming often isn't, uh, you know, talked about a whole lot here, but at least uh, in Pocatello and those three schools, there's a lot more kids coming out for it than, you know, a lot of people realize. Yeah. Now I know in years past, there was one coach for all three yeah. schools. Is that still the arrangement? No, no, they've, they changed it up. It actually yeah. started last year where they split off into three separate teams and now have three separate coaches. And it actually, you know, is getting treated like a real sport where you've got, uh, you know, their own teams, which, you know, sounds like the most, basic thing on the planet but hasn't been the case for swimming so yeah it's uh it's finally you know being treated like most other sports in the the school which is kind of cool to see yeah that means they have enough athletes to have school which is awesome yeah Yeah. no i think they uh i think the number is capped at 30 and you know two of the three have hit it and could have gone over if that wasn't the case right uh the last thing i wanted to to promo before we duck out of here is um on idahosports.com friday afternoon for the first time we will be broadcasting cross country live jordan it'll be the tiger grizz invitational from idaho falls it's one of the biggest cross country meets of the year in the state of idaho and i bring this up because there's going to be several district five teams there competing i mean just looking at the list alphabetically aberdeen bear lake century uh you've got uh grace Highland is going to be there. Uh, you've got teams like Malad and Pocatello. Preston's going to be there. Uh, Showban will be there. Um, Soda Springs, Snake River, um, Teton. I mean, there's just teams from all over. Eastern at West Side is going to be yeah. there. Teams from all over. There's going to be like 46 teams competing. There's going to be four heats. There will be two girls varsity heats, two boys varsity heats, and they're splitting it up. So the first heat will be 1A, 2A, 3A runners and teams. Yeah. And then the second heat will be those bigger schools, 4A, 5A. So it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. The first uh, varsity heat is slated for 250 on Friday afternoon. Wow. And we'll go with coverage all the way till probably like 5 o'clock when yeah. the final race concludes. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I know a couple runners to look out for. Uh, I believe Grace has Cole Wilkerson, who – you know, placed in the top five at state last year in 1A. And, you know, he he's right up there with, you know, some of the, the 2A, 3A, 4A runners. And then you look at 4A, Pocatello last year was fantastic. 
had Shane Gard and Brevin Vaughn, who were fantastic. All of a sudden, they they look almost just as good. Sonny Gunn, in uh, a race a couple weeks ago, won with a 16.32. Brody Birch, who was really good in the track in the 800, also a fantastic baseball pitcher, was right there. And then Jacob Van Orden, who's one of the better 800 runners in the entire state, uh, 16.49. So I think he's going to be in the mix to win that. And then on the girls' side, Bailey Bird, you know, right there, almost won state last year as just a sophomore. Um, she's coming in as a junior, running under 20. And so, yeah, a lot of good local uh, District 5 runners. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll uh, bear down and get ready for another big weekend. Jordan, what's coming up for you this week slash weekend at the Idaho State Journal? Yeah, going to uh, obviously Idaho State football plays Nevada late on Saturday. So we're going to get a story from that. Hopefully got a couple features coming before then. And then uh, we'll have our game of the week, which we've been trying to find one game every week. Usually put it on Facebook Friday morning, Friday afternoon. We go and do a uh, live game thread of all the action. So if you're not there, you can always follow along. Keep clicking to try and post updates every, you know, 10, 15 minutes and uh, update that. And we'll have a game story and, you know, all our scores as quick as possible on uh, Friday. Yep. And uh, I assume you're going to be at those Thursday games. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Break I down. On that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it'll be uh, if we'll have time to make it in the print on Friday. But yeah. Uh, probably midnight, 1 a.m. That'll be, uh, I'll be drinking a lot of coffee that night and getting those in. And as we learned in the very first prep cast we did, it's got to be room temperature coffee. You got to let it cool down, right? <laughs> here we go. He's going to sit here the last 30 minutes. <laughs> there you go. I can drink it just fine now. Perfect. So if you want to see uh, Jordan's uh, coffee cup, it looked like a sippy cup, to be honest. Let me look at that again. Oh yeah, no, it's just uh, it's just your I, traditional. I don't want it to spill. Yeah, and it's see through too. It's kind of well, it changes <laughs> if it's hot. It gets a different color, but it's, it's room temperature, so it's green right now. Oh, that and green means go. That's how you know it's safe to drink. Okay, I like it. Yeah. All right, well, if you want to see Jordan's coffee cup, uh, check out the video of this prep cast uh, <laughs> at the IdahoSports.com Facebook page or our YouTube channel. Of course, you can get the audio-only version of this podcast wherever you download your podcasts and also at our website, IdahoSports.com. All right, Jordan, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks, as always. Yeah, thank you. All right, for Jordan K., I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the Southeast Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.